0: I invite you to take your Bibles now and turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. We're going to read the verses 1 to 16 of Ezekiel 22. said to my wife earlier this afternoon, these words are not, as, as you know, uh, we've been working through Ezekiel, and it's not just smile, God loves you. Uh, there's some hard words again here in Ezekiel 22, so let's begin at the first verse. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Now, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Yes." Show her all her abominations. Then say, Thus says the Lord God The city sheds blood in her own midst, that her time may come. And she makes idols within herself to defile herself. You have become guilty by the blood by which you uh, the blood which you have shed, and have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. You've caused your days to draw near and have come to the end of your years. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations and a mockery to all countries. Those near and those afar from you will mock you as infamous and full of tumult. Look, the princes of Israel, each one has used his power to shed blood in you. In you, they have made light of father and mother. In your midst, they have oppressed the stranger. In you, they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. In you are men who slander to cause bloodshed. In you are those who eat on the mountains. In your midst, they commit lewdness. In you, men uncover their father's nakedness. In you, they violate women who are set apart during their impurity. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. And another, in you, violates his sister, his father's daughter. In you, they take bribes to shed blood. You take usury and increase. You have made profit from your neighbors by extortion and have forgotten me, says the Lord God. Behold, therefore, I beat my fists at the dishonest profit which you have made and at the bloodshed which has been in your midst. Can your heart endure or can your hands remain strong in the days when I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. I will scatter you among the nations, disperse you throughout the countries and remove your filthiness completely from you. You shall defile yourself in the sight of the nations. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So far, the reading of God's holy word. I think we all remember it well. The day we received our report card at the end of the year. For some of us, the report was positive. For others, the report was, well, not so positive. For some of us, it was downright shameful. Perhaps some of you remember those comments. Billy does not sit very well in class. Susan does not listen attentively, Sam has trouble obeying instructions, or Charles seems to be very forgetful. Receiving a negative report card was somewhat distressing because you knew you had to answer to dad and mom for your conduct. There might be consequences for your unacceptable behavior. You knew that there might be some sort of punishment for neglecting your work. Perhaps some of you never had that experience, but there are others among us who were, at times, not too eager to bring home our report card. Now, congregation, it's one thing to receive a negative report from your teacher in school, but imagine receiving a comprehensive evaluation of your life directly from the Lord Himself. Or imagine our church receiving an evaluation directly from God. If he were to assess Bethel Church and send us a written report, what would it look like? The Lord did that very thing to the seven churches who were in Asia Minor. Through the Apostle John, he sent a written evaluation, and most of the churches received some rather harsh criticisms. To the church in Ephesus, he said, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. To the church in Pergamos, the Lord said, I have a few things against you. Repent, or else I will come quickly. To the church in Thyatira, he said, I have a few things against you. To the church in Sardis, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Hold fast and repent. To the church in Laodicea, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. Because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. In each of these churches, the Lord spelled out their problems and pointed out their sins. Only Smyrna and Philadelphia received a completely positive report. The other five churches had to take heed, change their ways, and return to the Lord. If they didn't, there would be serious consequences. Well, congregation in Ezekiel 22, we see the Lord's evaluation of Jerusalem during the days of the prophet Ezekiel. His evaluation of the church. Sadly, the report is anything but positive. In fact, there's not even one positive thing mentioned in these verses concerning the church in the days of Ezekiel. I once received a report card with those memorable words written at the top. It was memorable because it rarely happened to me. Frankly, I was a bit of a brat. Sins of youth remember not. But the words at the top were, a report to be proud of. Well, Ezekiel 22 is certainly not a report to be proud of. The church had forgotten her Lord. God says of his people in verse 13, you have forgotten me. Today I want us to consider first the record of Judah's sins in verses 1 through 12 and second the result of Judah's sins in verses 13 through 16. We'll spend the bulk of our time on point number one, the record of Judah's sins. When the Lord God delivered His people from the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage, He brought them to Mount Sinai in the wilderness and He gave them what, children? His law, right? He gave them His law. By living according to that law, the people of Israel demonstrated their thankfulness to God for His great deliverance. They demonstrated their gratitude for all that He had done in saving them. Obedience to the law showed that they loved the Lord and wanted to please and serve Him. It showed that they desired to acknowledge Yahweh as their sovereign King and live according to His will. That is also true for the church today. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The church is called to live by the commandments of God, not to earn salvation, but as an expression of gratitude for salvation. We are to live by the laws of the king as an expression of love for the king. But now notice, congregation, how the church in the days of Ezekiel failed to honor God's law. Verses 1-16 to is perhaps the longest list of sins recorded anywhere in the Bible. It covers a wide range of transgressions. We read that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, and he asked him if he would judge the bloody city. At the end of verse 2, the Lord told Ezekiel to show her all her abominations. He was called to reveal to the people the things that were offensive to God. Note that instead of calling Jerusalem the holy city, the Lord called it the bloody city. Verse 2, Now, son of man, will you judge the bloody city? Seven times in this portion the words blood or bloodshed are mentioned. Instead of being a city of peace, which is the meaning of the name Jerusalem, It was a city filled with violence, hatred, and bloody crimes. Ezekiel was to sit as a judge, as a spokesman for the real judge, the Lord of Israel. So, the first abomination that Ezekiel was to condemn in God's people was that, verse 3, the city sheds blood in her own midst. Verse 4 says, you have become guilty by the blood that you have shed. Whether this is referring to the blood of the prophets, or the murder of innocent people, or acts of violence and hatred committed against one another, it's obviously a violation of the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, as well as the second great commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The citizens of Judah had become extremely self-centered. To personally succeed, they were willing to trample over others. They didn't show true love for their neighbor as themselves. Congregation, Sadly, sometimes churches today can also be rather loveless. We might not literally kill each other, but we might nonetheless be guilty of murder by belittling insulting, ignoring, avoiding, or speaking evil of our brother or sister. You read in the law this morning that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. We do well to examine our own hearts. Is there anyone here that you cannot speak to, will not speak to, someone that you will not invite into your home? Does God see the root of murder in your hearts, envy, hatred, anger, vengefulness. In God's sight, all such are disguised forms of murder. God wants each one of us to put aside strife and to reach out to our brother, our sister, as Paul said, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The second abomination that Ezekiel had to condemn in God's people was the sin of idolatry. A common theme in Ezekiel, idolatry. The end of verse three says, she makes idols within herself to defile herself. And verse four B says, you have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. The people of Judah failed to maintain purity of worship Instead of worshiping the one true God according to the instructions of His Word, they turned to some of the idols of the nations, and they brazenly violated the first and second commandments of the decalogue. The Lord had specifically warned Israel that if they turned to the gods of the nations, they would forfeit His blessing and provoke the Lord to jealousy. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 that the worship of idols is the worship of demons. Demons. They sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. The Apostle said that idolatry is Demonic demons are the real spiritual force behind it. To participate in idolatrous acts of worship is to honor the prince of darkness and his demons. This is not only the teaching of the apostle Paul in the New Testament, but it was also the teaching of Moses in the Old. Speaking prophetically, in Deuteronomy 32, Moses said, they sacrificed to demons, not to God. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. By setting up idols in the land, the people of Judah were unwittingly honoring Satan and his demons. Instead of exalting the Lord who had graciously given them the land, they honored demons. Verse 9 says, have a look there, verse 9 says that they eat on the mountains, which is a reference to the eating of sacrifices at various mountain shrines, at the high places. The people of Judah had forsaken the Lord, and through their idolatry they honored Satan, the prince of darkness. Congregation, God despises idolatry. That is why the Apostle John said in Revelation 21.8 that all idolaters will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. The people of Judah who had received the message of the gospel, the message of salvation through faith in the coming Messiah, these very people neglected the promises and turned instead to the worship of demons. Does the Lord see idolatry in His church today? Does He see idols in our hearts? Idols that we cherish? That we're unwilling to give up? Even though we have the soul-satisfying message of the cross and the empty tomb, do we still retain the ruling desires of our heart? Then the third abomination that Ezekiel has to condemn in God's people was the violation of the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Go to verse 7. In you they have made light of father and mother. Another translation says father and mother are treated with contempt in you. Respect for parents is strongly emphasized in the word of God. In fact, under the law of Moses, those who rebelled against father and mother were to be put to death. We read in Deuteronomy 21 that if a man had a stubborn and rebellious son who would not obey him even after having been chastened, then the father and the mother had to take him to the elders of the city. And if the elders found him guilty, they were to stone him to death so that the evil person was to be put away from Israel. The Lord said in Proverbs 30 verse 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Respect for parents was strongly emphasized in the scriptures. And yet Ezekiel tells us that in the land of Judah, father and mother are treated with contempt. They failed to honor them, to hold them in the highest regard and respect. The family unit was fragmented, and God's design for the family was sadly ignored. It was God's intent, brothers and sisters, it was God's intent that the family be an important place where the gospel was taught from generation to generation. We sing, don't we, from Psalm 78, let children hear the mighty deeds which God performed of old, which in our younger years we saw and which our fathers told. He bids us make his glories known, the works of power and grace that we convey his wonders down through every rising race. Our lips shall tell them to our sons and they again to theirs. And generations yet unborn must teach them to their heirs. Thus shall they learn, in God alone their hope securely stands, that they may not forget His works, but honor His commands. You see, brothers and sisters, that was God's design for the family. He wanted the Word, the Law, and the Gospel to be passed on from generation to generation. But sadly, within the nation of Judah, that wasn't happening. Father and mother were treated with contempt, and God's beautiful design for the family was shattered. Don't we see much brokenness in the family today? Not only in the unbelieving world, but even at times in the church. Among church members, when family relationships are in shambles, the gospel does not shine brightly in that home. And when the gospel does not shine brightly in that home, there's usually trouble in the next generation. Children, young people, honor your parents. Honor them by heeding and embracing the gospel that they set before you. Then there's a fourth abomination that Ezekiel had to condemn in God's people, namely, the oppression of the stranger and the, the helpless. The oppression of the stranger and the helpless. Look again, please, to verse 7. In you they have made light of father and mother, treated them with contempt. In your midst they have oppressed the stranger. In you they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. The Lord said in Deuteronomy 19, verse 33 If a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him, but the stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. The land was to be a haven for the oppressed, a place where the stranger felt secure. When he experienced a a place where he, he would experience true demonstrations of kindness and love, God's people were to show true compassion for him, reflecting the compassion of their God. They were also to show true sympathy for the orphan and the widow. The Lord had said to them in Exodus 22, you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. What do we read in the New Testament? Where's your mind going right now? James highlighted the importance of these things when he said, what? Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James said that true faith comes to expression in our genuine concern for the helpless. Orphans and widows are usually among the the neediest of people. When the breadwinner died, they sometimes found themselves in a very difficult situation. There are numerous passages in Scripture where God expressed His special concern for the widows and orphans. He wanted His people to reflect that same concern, to display the heart of God to them. Unfortunately, in the days of Ezekiel, The people of God showed little compassion for the stranger and the helpless. Instead, they took advantage of them, oppressed them, and mistreated them. Their conduct revealed that they had no genuine appreciation for the grace, mercy, and love of God. If you have understood God's grace, if you have understood God's mercy in your life, then you will show grace and mercy to the needy and helpless. Congregation, at the coming of Jesus, when he separates the sheep from the goats, what will he say to those on his left hand? I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Depart from me into everlasting punishment. And so I ask you, does your faith in Jesus motivate you to care for the stranger and the helpless? Then a fifth abomination that Ezekiel had to proclaim to God's people, the fifth abomination was the sin of Sabbath-breaking. The sin of Sabbath-breaking. We already looked at this last week in our previous message, but look again to verse 8. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. They failed to love and honor the fourth commandment. God's gift of the Sabbath was spurned. Instead of delighting in the Lord, calling the holy day of the Lord honorable, and using that day as a time of spiritual refreshment, the people of God did their own thing. They use the day for their own pleasure, in their own, their own amusement, and their own labor. The profaning of the Sabbath showed that they had no time to spend with God and little desire to spend time with Him. They were like a woman who avoids her husband, a woman who has no desire to spend time with her husband. Again, do you love the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day? Do you have time for him, and do you desire to spend time with him? Then a sixth abomination that Ezekiel had to condemn in Judah was the sin of slander. The sin of slander. Keep reading at verse 9. In you are men who slander to cause bloodshed. The people were guilty of sins of the tongue. They spoke evil of one another, contrary to the ninth commandment you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Leviticus 19, verse 16 says, You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. The Old Testament condemned sins of the tongue by which the reputation of one's neighbor was tarnished. And the Apostle Peter said to the church of the New Testament, put away all slander. Our churches today must beware of the sins of the tongue, not participating in the sins of gossip or slander. Rather, you are called to do what you can to defend and advance your neighbor's honor and reputation. Then a seventh abomination that Ezekiel had to condemn in God's people was the sins of sexual impurity and perversion. The sins of sexual impurity and perversion. Look with me please to verses 10 and 11. In you men uncover their father's nakedness. In you they violate women who are set apart during their impurity. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife, another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law, and another in you violates his sister, his father's daughter. God's people fail to honor the seventh commandment all kinds of sexual perversion was found in the land in contrast to the nations the people should have been known for their purity but instead the land was filled with impurity men took their father's wife which was a capital offense according to Leviticus 20 the man who lies with his father's wife has covered his father's nakedness both of them shall surely be put to death Men also took their neighbor's wife, their daughter in law, or their sister. Adultery and incest was known in Israel, the church. This was a nation that was called to be a holy people. They were to honor God's design for marriage and sex. They were to maintain a pure marriage relationship one man and one woman united together for life, living for the glory of God. In their marriages, the people were to reflect the faithful love of Yahweh for Israel, his bride. But tragically, the people violated God's design for marriage and gave in to their base fleshly instincts. They committed sexual sins, which the Lord declared was worthy of death. No wonder the children showed contempt for their parents. Congregation, what does the Lord see in His church today? When He looks upon Bethel, does He see solid, godly, faithful marriages? Does He see those who strive to remain sexually pure? Does He see those who resolutely reject pornography? Pornography? And does he see those who resolutely reject the sins associated with pornography? Does he see that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your marriage is reflecting something of the love of Christ for his bride, the church, and the church's devotion to her husband? Does your marriage proclaim the truth about the gospel? And then there's also an eighth abomination or a grouping of abominations recorded here in these verses, namely bribery, usury, and extortion. Bribery, usury, and extortion. Look at verse 12. In you they take bribes to shed blood. You take usury and increase. You have made profit from your neighbors by extortion. They cheated, deceived, threatened, and used one another, contrary to the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. They failed to display God's generosity, benevolence, and kindness to sinners. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you that this is not a description of the Philistines, Ammonites, Moabites, or Canaanites. This is not a condemnation of the Egyptians. This is a description of the church. The church. All these sins were rampant in the nation of Judah. Idolatry, dishonoring parents, oppression of the helpless, Sabbath breaking, slander, sexual perversion, bribery, usury, and extortion. What a wonderful church. A real city on a hill. A bright light to the world, a balm of healing and hope? Hardly. How can it be? How can the church be so ungodly, corrupt, self-centered, displaying the works of the flesh? Congregation, the answer is found toward the end of verse 12. Have a look. You have forgotten me. You have forgotten me. They forgot the love of their God. They forgot his grace, righteousness, wrath, and their obligation to him. They forgot that they were in covenant with him. You have forgotten me. When Israel was on the plains of Moab before they entered the Promised Land, Moses warned them not to forget the Lord. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Remember, remember, remember how the Lord your God led you. Moses said, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees. Beware. Lest you have eaten and are full and have beautiful houses and dwelling them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Sadly, Moses' warning in Deuteronomy 8 went largely unheeded. The history of Israel is a story of forgetfulness. Again, and again, and again, they forgot the Lord and failed to observe His commands, laws, and decrees. Congregation, how is it with us this afternoon? Do you remember the Lord your God? Do you remember how He delivered you by sending His Son to die for sinners? Do you remember His grace and mercy to you? Do you remember His righteousness and holiness? And then do you express your gratitude by striving to live according to the Word? When you consider the state of the church in our nation today, many of these abominations mentioned in Ezekiel 22 can easily be found. Idolatrous worship, man-centered worship, dishonoring of parents, Sabbath breaking, slander, sexual perversion, adultery, common law relationships, the violation of God's design for marriage, deception, self-centeredness, and so on. The very things that God condemned in the church of the Old Testament can still be found in churches today. How often does the Lord look upon His church in North America and say, you have forgotten me? You have forgotten me? Congregation, what is the Lord's evaluation of us? When He looks upon Bethel, what does He see? Does he see men, women, and children who love him? Does he see young people who desire to serve him? When he looks upon Bethel Church, does he see those who love and forgive one another? Those who are eager to spend time with him on the Lord's Day. Those who honor their parents and those in authority. Does he see the gospel, the message of Christ crucified, passed on from generation to generation? Does he see those who care for the stranger and the helpless? Those who guard their tongue from slander? Those who maintain solid, faithful, pure marriages? Does he see a body of believers who strive for honesty and integrity? Or does the Lord look upon his church here and say, There are some who have forgotten me. There are some who have forgotten my love, my salvation, my righteousness, my covenant. Congregation, I call you this afternoon as Moses did to the Israelites on the plains of Moab to remember the Lord your God. Do not forget. read of the sufferings of our Lord and remember what He has done. Read of the cross and remember what He had endured. Read of how He bore the Father's wrath for sinners. Read of His love for the church and remember. And that out of thanksgiving, Pursue holiness and a life of obedience. Live as a holy nation before him, as those who are in covenant with him. Congregation, if you forget the Lord your God, as the church did in the days of Ezekiel, there will be sad and terrible consequences. Verses 13 through 16 give an idea of how God responded to apostasy. Follow along with me, please, at verse 13. Verse 13. Behold, therefore, I beat my fists at the dishonest prophet which you have made, and at the bloodshed which has been in your midst, Can your heart endure, or can your hands remain strong in the days when I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. Verse 15, I will scatter you among the nations, disperse you throughout the countries, and remove your filthiness completely from you. Verse 16, you shall defile yourself in the sight of the nations, then you shall know that I am the Lord. God said to the people of Judah, You want to live like the nations? Then I'll scatter you among the nations. You want to live like pagans? Then I will scatter you among pagans. You want to ignore my law? Then I will drive you among those who do not possess my law. You want to live in sin? Then I will place you among sinful people. You want to forget about me? Then I will scatter you among those who do not know me. That, brothers and sisters, is the result of Judah's sin. In verse 13, the Lord is pictured as beating his fists, a sign of rebuke, displeasure, and admonishment. The message in verse 14 is that Judah's heart will fail and their hands will fall when God deals with them. He will pluck them from the land, send them into exile, and let the the wicked city, Jerusalem, be exposed in the sight of the nations. God will reveal his sovereignty over them so that you shall know that I am the Lord. They had forgotten, they had forgotten the Lord, and they were ripe for judgment. But through His judgment, the Lord would remind them, I am the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, God does not overlook the unfaithfulness of His church, nor turn a blind eye to the infidelity of His people. Sin must be punished, if not now, then in eternity. If we do not live a life of gratitude, if the church does not express her love for the Lord, if we live like the world, then the Lord says, you will share the destiny of the world. If you want to act like the nations, you will share the judgment of the nations. If you want to live like pagans, you will share the condemnation of pagans. If you want to live in sin, then you will share the misery of sinners. People of God, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard. But do not walk along that path. Ask the Lord to give you understanding of His Word, love for His law, and profound appreciation for the gospel of Christ. Jesus is the one who kept the law in every detail. And His perfection is your perfection by faith. Trust Him. Believe the gospel. Receive His righteousness. Then ask the Lord to sanctify you and make you a faithful child of God. Ask Him to make us as a church holy, godly, and righteous. Ask the Lord to help us remember Him. Remember What blessings there are for Christians when we love the righteous one and walk faithfully by the power of the Spirit before the Lord. What blessings there are for churches when we take pleasure in the cross and live according to His will. May it never be said of this church, you have forgotten me. Remember Him, His grace, love, and compassion for sinners. And live your life in thanksgiving for His great salvation. Remember. Remember. Let us pray. Lord, we praise you for the righteous one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who did what Israel could not do, who did what we cannot do. All the righteous requirements of the law are met in him. Lord, may each one of us present here this afternoon flee to Jesus. Because like the church in Ezekiel's day, our hearts are also full of much wickedness. And our lives don't always display the fruits that we ought to display. So may each one of here, each person here know with certainty that there's only one who is entirely faithful and righteous, our Lord Jesus Christ. May we take great pleasure in the cross, the message of the cross and the empty tomb. And, oh Lord, may we as a church remember. Don't let us forget you. Don't let us share the destiny of the ungodly. Oh Lord, spare us from the miseries of sin. And enable each one of us here to live in the joy of Christ, the joy of salvation. So may we ponder these things. May we be a church that is faithful to Scripture. Not only, Lord, theologically, but faithful in our daily walk. And help us to repent when we stray from your truth. Give us a heart that loves your will. Hear us, Lord, and look upon each one of us in your beloved Son. In his name we pray. Oh, man.